Hello, I'm Eric Holdeman, and this is Disaster Zone, a podcast about emergencies and disasters of all types. Disaster Zone will bring you interviews with people dealing with all aspects of disasters, from what causes them to how people and organizations are dealing with their impact. Here's today's program. This podcast is being sponsored by Dynamis a leading provider of information management software and security solutions. You can find them at dynamis.com. Welcome to the Disaster Zone podcast. With me today is Michael Bushmull. Michael has served as a communications instructor for FEMA, as well as disaster preparedness consultant for the city of Berkeley, California. As the president of Applause Associates, he has taught people around the world, including in Europe, China, and Russia, to speak, write, and communicate effectively. Uh, this is going to be the first in a three-part series uh, we're doing with Michael. And part one, today's podcast, will focus on a dozen ways to communicate better verbally. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for the invitation. It's a real pleasure to speak with you. All right. Great to have you on the show. And I looked up, and this is no April Fool's joke. We met on April 1st, 1999, when you did a presentation for an emergency management conference. Wow. I, I keep track when we met, so we've known yeah. one another for two, well, two decades. Thank you. Um, so why don't we just start, Michael? I, you know, what got you into the business of teaching communications? Well, it's a long story. At the age of, I was born in Detroit, and at the age of 21, I left home and joined a religious order and studied for nine years to become a Catholic priest. And I joined a preaching order, so we had to learn to communicate, not only give sermons, but to give talks and retreats and things like that. So that was the beginning of that. I left the priesthood to get married, and of course, then I had to learn to listen because I now had a wife. But anyway, and then I got into healthcare and spent years in Berkeley working in a hospital as the director of training and disaster preparedness. And it was there I worked for the city of Berkeley. And since then, 1981, I started my own business, Applause Associates, and I've been teaching communication techniques now all over the world in eight countries. And it's just something that fascinates me. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've had several interactions with you. I even had one of my staff needed some help with communicating uh, with people verbally. And uh, I know you did some individual coaching, so you do that type of thing also. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, the holidays are right around the corner. You know, family get-togethers can sometimes be problematic. And then at work, we know people we typically don't share common ground with. How can we initiate conversations with people, especially those we don't agree with? Yeah, you bring up a sensitive topic, and that's happening all over, the, all over certainly this country. A lot of it has been geared to the recent political climate and the elections and so on. But anyway, there's two things. We need to invite people to speak. And then, of course, the other side of that, we really have to listen, and that's the challenge. So what I've put together are 12 different topics that I've taught to a lot of people and will teach again next week for the city of Renton. The... Uh, these topics, I'll, I'll number them, and they will allow us to make those connections with all sorts of people. The first 
And two almost magic words are tell me. You can invite anyone into conversation by saying, tell me. Tell me, where did you get that outfit? Tell me, have you ever lived through a disaster? Uh, you can put the words tell me in front of any question. Tell me, how long have you lived here? I'll use an example. Let's say, picture a man, a well-dressed man goes into a men's clothing store. Let's say we have two clerks going up to that person. First clerk goes up and says, uh, can I help you? And the man says, no. The business transaction is over. A second clerk goes up and says, ooh, I like your tie. Tell me, where did you get it? Words tell me are like an invitation for the other person to speak. So you can use that to initiate any conversation. So that's the first thing. Number two is tell me more. One of the great techniques in meetings is when someone brings up an idea, instead of just shooting out your idea, encourage that person to elaborate. So you can say, tell me more about your idea. Now I know in some meetings you'd like to say to some people, tell me less. But anyway, yes. tell me more encourages people to talk so you can listen more. One of the most, the third thing I'll mention is a, a neutral saying, whenever says, somebody says something you disagree with, you can say simply, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Said in a neutral voice, it means I hear you. It doesn't mean I agree with you or I like what you said. I hear what you're saying. It can be a calming thing, but it, it allows the other person to feel as if that person is heard. A fourth thing I want to mention is a great, almost a gift to someone when you ask them, what do you think? What do you suggest? You're inviting another person to be your advisor, to counsel you. What do you think we should do? What do you think is a great term for inviting people? It's almost like to me a gift to give someone. The fifth thing I want to mention is when you're in a meeting and conversation's going on and you'd like to enter the conversation, a great line you can use is, may I add something? Or I'd like to add something. And I like to stress the importance of the word add. I've even come up with a kind of a mathematics of good communication. You know, we have add, add subtract, multiply, and divide. In a meeting, keep using the word add. I'd like to add something. What if you disagree with someone? You could say, I'd like to add a different idea. Be a person who adds and therefore multiplies good ideas rather than a person who subtracts and divides. Because if we criticize other people's ideas, we create divisiveness, especially in a yeah, group. I, I, our inclination is to say, but, or however. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that. you can, you can instead of, but, but often indicates an opposite direction. It's very useful in some times, but sometimes when there's disagreement, you can replace the word but with the word and. Like I hear what you're saying, and I would like to add a different idea. Sometimes that becomes like a lubricant that allows you to express your idea without challenging the other person. One more, uh, uh, no, the sixth item I wanna give you is, can you help me? Isn't it interesting, you can travel anywhere in the world, you can go up to a complete stranger, like if you're lost and say, can you help me? I've lost my map, can you help me? People are willing to be generous because one of the great pleasures in life is to be able to contribute to someone else's well-being. People like to be helpful. And that question invites them, can you help me? The seventh thing um, I wanna recommend 
is a great line. I use it all the time in email as an opening line when I want something. I'll say, I have a favor to ask you. Or if it's going to be something difficult, I'll word it. I have a special favor to ask you. It lets people know right away that you're going to be making a request. So those are my first seven tips. And again, it comes back to listening um, and inviting people to speak and express what they want. And, and in that regard, my favorite, if you want to call him psychologist, person, whatever, is a man named Marshall Rosenberg and his great work called Nonviolent Communication. The fundamental principle of his work has been this. Everything we do is in service of our own needs. Everything anyone does or says is to meet their own needs. And why people have different opinions or views or beliefs than us, somehow those beliefs or opinions or actions meet their needs. The trouble often is how do we get people to meet their needs without being destructive? Okay, and, you know, I think those are all great ideas. I, I wish maybe we should take that list with us when we're in a meeting yeah a reminder and you could actually make a little flash card type thing you stick in your binder or in today's uh laptop world maybe it is uh stored somewhere where you call it up and use those yeah. words. so oh thank you for that michael and what we're going to do right now is take a quick break uh for a word from uh our podcast sponsor and we'll be right back this podcast is being sponsored by COBRA, an emergency management software solution. COBRA provides a cloud-based EOC software that is intuitive, collaborative, and affordable. Visit cobrasoftware.com. Well, welcome back. Uh, if you're just joining us uh, for this podcast, we're talking to Michael Bushmull and uh, talking about uh, communications and a dozen ways to communicate better verbally. Um, and part of communicating, uh, Michael, is sometimes we have to say no to someone. And whether you're a three-year-old or a 55-year-old, we don't like to hear no. Um, what are some good ways to deal with that situation verbally? Okay, you're right. It's very difficult for people to say no. I taught in China for 12 years, communication courses for Chinese business people. And I found in pretty much in all of Asia, people do not want to say no. They'll say perhaps, or uh, in Japan, they'll say that would be difficult. Anyway, let me give you two techniques for saying no. The first one doesn't use the word no at all. You use two words, yes, if. When you say yes, you give permission. When you say if, you state the conditions that must be met. So let's say you've got a kid at home who wants to watch television tonight. You can say to the kid, yes, you can watch TV tonight if you get your homework done by six o'clock. Or in a city government, for example, somebody wants a building permit. You can say, yes, we're happy to give you this permit if or when you bring us the blueprints and your environmental protection uh, study. Now that's, that's one way, yes, if. Now, second way, I've often found it difficult when you have to say no to someone or deny them something that they want. Sometimes a transition word we've often used is, unfortunately, we can't do that. The word unfortunately has a negative cast to it. So I found a great replacement 
I found it on the internet. Some company uses this, and here it is. It's one of the most helpful neutral statements you can make. This, and the statement is, as it turns out, those four words, as it turns out. So somebody wants something and you say, as it turns out, we are not able to do that at this time. When you say, as it turns out, it sounds like the gods or somewhere in the universe, uh, this is something, it's, you know, you can't touch it, as it turns out. It's like a matter of fact. So there's no personal animosity or a sense of rejection in it. As it turns out, you no longer work here. It's not a negative. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, well, you know, you mentioned the, the issue with Asian cultures, and I experienced that. I was in the military, and we were in South Korea, and we actually were looking for buildings in the countryside, businesses, a warehouse where we could put our headquarters inside the building. That's the way mm -hmm. to camouflage where we were. Yeah. And so we would scout places, and we'd go in, ask, speak to the manager. And this, this was out in rural areas. And no one ever said no. No one ever said no to us. Uh, their reply is, you'll have to talk to someone in Seoul, Korea, the capital city. Yeah. But you were right. They didn't outright. And they might have said, you've got to be kidding me in their brain. But uh, they would not tell us no. Uh, they defer that to someone else. Uh, yeah. And I have, I have found, honestly, in dealing with a lot of Chinese people, that they'll say yes but they still won't do it. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. They don't want to say no, but, but it certainly is hard. But I like it. There's a saying, uh, I think it came from Gandhi, who said, if you say yes when you really mean no, you are violating yourself because really inside you, wanna, you don't want to do something. And yet we do it because we're afraid of the reaction of other people. It's so common. Okay. Well, another topic about this is uh, asserting oneself in a conversation. So how can we um, open an assertive conversation with other people? And, and perhaps knowing that, you know, we're taking a position that is going to be opposed even. Yeah. On, the, on being assertive, it, it's again, it's something sort of like the saying, no, we often don't want to do that. We don't want to feel assertive. We want to certainly an American way is to be nice or whatever. And sometimes we have to be assertive. The most helpful approach to assertiveness I've ever found was from a book called Asserting Yourself by Sharon and Gordon Bauer. I've taught their technique now around the world to at least 20,000 managers, supervisors uh, in many countries. Their technique is called DESC, D-E-S-C. And the first part of it is to describe the situation that you don't like or don't want. Simply describe it without evaluating it. Second, express. Express how you feel in the situation with, a, with an I am statement. I am upset, worried, concerned, uh, frustrated, disappointed. Third, uh, describe, express, specify. What do you want the person to do? You're making a request. Would you please or uh, something like that. And then the fourth thing are the consequences. What are the consequences to the person for doing what you want? And in order to help that whole process of describe, express, specify, and give consequences, the opening line, the opening phrase that I really like is this, I have a problem. 
you can approach anyone and say, I have a problem. That alerts them that, that, that you're going to say something, but they don't get defensive when you say, I have a problem. Because, because I, you're talking about yourself, you're not saying you did something. No, you're starting with I, and the word problem. I've had people in public argue with me over the word problem. But the truth is, even though the other person or people are the problem, you have a problem, it's them. So that is a true statement. And then you can go right into describing the behavior or actions that they're taking that, that don't please you. And what would you like them to do? And what happens when we avoid those types of conversations? We just don't Well, we, we keep it inside, right? And we let things happen that we don't like. It's amazing. I've had in a lot of classes where people have roommates and the roommates don't do the dishes or clean up after themselves. Little irritating things like that. There's other major things where you have neighbors whose trees grow into your yard and, and uh, you'd like to talk to them about that. Um, or somebody's smoking and you don't like the fact that they're smoking uh, and you've got to confront them. It's so easy to let things go. They fester inside of us and they tend to get worse and they can really interrupt and destroy the future communication with that person. Okay. Well, the, the last topic I'd like to cover with you is that, um, you know, everybody loves to get a compliment, uh, but sometimes these compliments can come across as being phony or just shallow. What, what's a good way to give a sincere compliment and maybe the circumstances you do that in? Yeah. Um, before, before I give that compliment idea, there's another idea I forgot to mention. And this is something, the words are, it seems like, if you are trying to draw someone out and you, you sense that they're thinking something different, a good way to engage them is with a phrase like, it seems like you're not, you're not satisfied with what I've just said. Uh, it's, it seems as if there must be some problem that's holding back. And this will often open people up to talk. And rather than saying, uh, are you unhappy? Uh, it seems like you may not be as happy as you'd like to be. That little phrase, it seems like, works really well. And there is a group I'll recommend strongly, a negotiation group called the Black Swan Group. Their work is amazing. And if you look up Black Swan Group, they have every week they give free um, inter, uh, email type uh, sites that give all sorts of tips on negotiating all sorts of situa situations. They're the best thing that I found out there. And that's one of their techniques. It seems like, okay. Okay, well just on that, we will likely have some emergency managers listening to uh, this podcast and a black swan, by the way, in disasters is something totally unexpected that happens, which, which is a black yes, swan. So exactly. at the company, not yeah. the disaster. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not okay. the disaster. What, There's actually a company. The compliment that not the compliment. Um, everybody likes compliments. Uh, we don't want to be buttered up or you know, praised unnecessarily. We all like praise. Uh, although I must say one thing about praise. My favorite line about praise came from Chaim Janot, the, uh, the California psychologist who wrote a lot of books in the 70s between children and parents between te teenagers and parents anyway, his idea was, he was once asked, how do you give praise to a child? And his six words are, 
praise the poem, not the poet, which means praise the work, not the worker, praise the performance, uh, not the performer. And even Hollywood does that when they give out the Oscars, right? It's not for the best actor. It's the wording of the Academy is, and now the Oscar for the best performance by an actor in a leading role. But the technique I wanna recommend for giving compliments, which has enormous power is this. You start out with a statement like this. You may not know this, but, you may not know this, but what you said last week in a meeting was really helpful to me. Or maybe no one has told you this, but your behavior during this pandemic has been really supportive. You may not know this, but is a really powerful way. It's kind of like a backhanded way to give someone a compliment. They don't expect it. You may not know this, but these podcasts have been really helpful. Well, I love that compliment, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our future interactions. I just want to say thank you, Michael Bushmull, for being a guest here on the Disaster Zone podcast. And I've, I've enjoyed the, the moments together. I look forward to our next session. And again, it all, everything is about communicating, isn't it? And a lot of it has to do with listen and listening, listening again and knowing that people are usually trying to do the best that they can. Thank you, Eric. All right. Well, thank you. And for folks listening today, tune in again for part two and three of this conversation where uh, in part two we'll cover communicating via email, which we seem to do a lot of today. And also the part three will be how to improve our ability to present well in order to convince people to take action. And we all are charged with those types of things. So lastly, a reminder for everyone to be safe. Think about what you can do today to become better prepared for the next disaster and become more disaster resilient. Perhaps it will be by learning to communicate better. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's Disaster Zone podcast. Tune in again soon for more information on all aspects of disasters and what people and organizations are doing about them. You can also check out the Disaster Zone blog at www.disaster-zone.com.